Hello, and welcome to Today in STEM, as we discuss what's new in the realms of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, as all combined to make your world a better place. I'm your host, Wes Sumner. This new program gives you an inside look at all things STEM, hearing from experts, and relating their knowledge to our everyday lives. We're pleased to have as today's guest, he's Dr. Chris Schonard. He is an assistant professor of chemistry at the Florida Institute of Technology. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to have you here and hear all about your research relating to a hot topic in today's society, and that is the doping scandals that surround professional athletes. Obviously, you come at it from the scientific side, from the chemistry side of life, and that's what we're so interested in hearing about. Of course, uh, not so very long ago, we just completed the Winter 2022 Olympics and yet again another doping scandal that, that came to light. So, Chris, tell us a bit about your research and specifically what you do surrounding this issue. Well, I first became involved in anti-doping research when I was a graduate student at the University of Florida. Uh, And we were working with a fairly new technique called ion mobility spectrometry coupled with another technique, mass spectrometry, which is what's currently used for anti-doping testing. And so a lot of the original basis for what we do today was developed um, back in the 1980s when the Olympics were in Los Angeles. And the World Anti-Doping Agency actually accredited our first U.S.-based anti-doping lab there at the UCLA facility. What we've started doing uh, now, I guess almost about a decade ago, was using a new technique called ion mobility spectrometry and coupling that with the other techniques that we currently use of chromatography and mass spectrometry. And what this allows us to do is at a molecular level get more information about the compounds that we're seeing in athlete samples. So a lot of what we do today is to look for what's considered a banned list of substances. And every year, the World Anti-Doping Agency publishes what they call their prohibited list, and they publish a new version every year that's updated to introduce any new compounds that we've detected. And analytical chemists like myself at these WADA testing facilities around the world go through and will attempt to detect and quantify any or all of these banned compounds in athlete samples such as urine. They list all of these different compounds as banned either in competition or at all times. And what that means is that there are certain compounds, including anabolic steroids, that derive long-term benefits. So taking that now, uh, when a competition may be several months down the line, is still considered a violation, whereas there's also compounds that are banned only in competition, where I could take that today and compete next week, and that wouldn't constitute a violation. Most of the analytical chemistry that's involved with this testing is specifically targeted for those compounds on the list. But obviously, to get to the point at which we can test for and ban these substances means that we have to first determine that they're being used by athletes to gain a performance-enhancing benefit, and then we actually have to develop the tests to look for them. So every compound that's currently listed on the WADA-prohibited list was at some point unknown to us in the anti-doping community. Now, most of these are broken up into one of two classes, what we consider endogenous compounds. These are those that our body makes naturally. These are things like testosterone. And so, for example, to detect testosterone in a sample from you or I would not be considered unexpected. However, the levels at which that is present are going to be what we're most concerned with in what could potentially constitute doping and giving ourselves exogenous testosterone. Now, that leads me into the description of what are considered exogenous compounds are those that the body doesn't make naturally. 
So when we identify those in an athlete sample, there's a zero tolerance rule that's considered a doping violation because it should not be there in the body at all. Obviously, when we have a list of these compounds, we can develop good targeted methods to identify them. But how do the compounds get on the list to begin with? So there's always a little bit of a lag time or a catch-up period associated with when somebody might manufacture or illegally use one of these compounds to get performance-enhancing benefits to the point where we can actually determine that they're getting a benefit from that. We can develop a test and we can actually put it on this list to ban it. So, so it's, a, it's a process. It and is a process. A years-long process, it sounds like. Absolutely. And so a lot of what we're trying to do in my lab is to develop the next generation of techniques that make it easier for us to identify and possibly even predict what the next wave of anabolic steroids or other performance-enhancing drugs may be. And you're looking at them at a very a very basic chemical level to Correct. be able to identify. Correct, at a molecular level, yes. At a molecular level. And this type of work is really critical in maintaining integrity in professional sports and, and all kinds of sports competition, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and, I mean, we've seen this throughout the course of my life. There's been a number of these scandals dating back to uh, one of the ones that was big for me was the baseball scandal in the 1990s. I remember being a kid that whole summer with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire in the home run race, of course, and then we saw what came out of that afterwards. And, and maintaining that integrity is a big part of what brought me to anti-doping to begin with. Well, what's the most interesting thing that you'd say you've discovered thus far in your research? I, what I would say is probably the most interesting aspect that we've had recently is just the inclusion of so many different types of computational strategies. Myself, I'm an analytical chemist, which really means I'm an instrument nerd. I like to get into the nitty-gritty, play with the electronics. In fact, while I was a postdoc, that was what I spent my years doing, was actually building new types of ion mobility mass spectrometers. But today, we've gotten to the point where our computational resources are so great that it's nearly impossible not to use them for our benefit. And so from an experimental standpoint, we are always limited by how many researchers we have in our lab, how many pieces of instrumentation, and how, how, how much we have for funding to actually support all of that. But on the computational side of things, we have the ability to potentially look at thousands or even millions of theoretical or predictive mo molecules and then try to work our way back. If we drew a theoretical molecule that we could envision some synthetic chemist actually synthesizing and some athlete attempting to use to get a performance-enhancing benefit, what would that look like then in an athlete's sample, and how would we be able to more quickly detect that and determine that it was being used? And so computationally, right now, we're collaborating with another chemist at FIT, Roberto Pevarotti, uh, who's a physical computational chemist, and he's developing machine learning algorithms to actually try to predict at the thousands to millions of molecules scale what these new compounds may be. And that sounds to me, as a novice here, what might be the most challenging part of this research, the sheer scope of it and the complexity. Is, is that accurate, or, or what is the most challenging part? I, I think that aspect is probably the biggest challenge in that experimentally, when we're in the lab and we're looking at things at a molecular level, we may be talking about something on the order of tens to hundreds or maybe even thousands of compounds that we're able to very accurately identify and quantify. However, with these computational methods and especially in machine learning algorithms, they want to have millions of data points. Mm. And so there's a major gap there between what we can do experimentally and what the computational chemists want in order to build better algorithms for their machine learning. 
And so bridging that gap is a major, a major challenge for us where it's a much slower process to build up to the point where we can actually analyze thousands or tens of thousands of compounds where the computational chemists are trying to come in the other direction and build more efficient algorithms that can work with less data input. And meeting in the middle, hopefully, between, Correct. between the two. Well, what's next for your research? So, as I said, what we're working on right now is primarily developing methods for anabolic androgenic steroids. And so this is what a lot of people will commonly associate with performance-enhancing drugs. Um, The NIH actually defines these as appearance and performance-enhancing drugs because they're used amongst amateurs, not just for the properties that they give in building strength, building muscles, but also for the cosmetic benefits of actually bodybuilding and, and, and competing in that degree. Um, What's next for us is starting to branch out the methods that we're developing to other compound classes on the WADA prohibited list. So as an example, there are opioid-based classes and narcotics. There are other types of steroids, including glucocorticoids. These all act very differently in the body and give different types of performance-enhancing benefits. But what we hope to achieve is using our methods to get similar types of uh, information about those other compound classes. Such important work. We appreciate you being here to share it with us. We've had as our guest today Dr. Chris Chenard. He's an analytical chemist, assistant professor in chemistry at the Florida Institute of Technology. Thank you for being here, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. That's going to do it for this edition of Today in STEM. Until next time, I'm Wes Sumner. Today in STEM is brought to you by the Florida Institute of Technology and WFIT. More information available at WFIT.org.